Well, let's pull the thread a little bit on on some of the um, the, the benefits or the positives. Uh, I, I know, as you mentioned, you know we can we can tend to harp on on technology for the ways it can lead to ethical problems, and and again, we'll get to some of those in a moment. Uh, but before we you know talk more about some of the questionable questionable doors that it can open, let's let's go the other direction. So, how, how can those who are um, you know whether we're working vocationally within pro life work or, or just those of us who are pro life ourselves, what what I guess, how can we use technology to benefit or advance the cause of life? Yeah. I mean, one of the ways we can do that is to start seeing the immense power of um, being able to get our message out, to share that, to share information. Not that information is all there is. Um, you know, obviously having the right beliefs matters, but also having the right action, you know, in terms of theology or philosophy and our ethic is what do we do in response one of the things I often teach my students is having the right beliefs matter because that shapes what we do, but also what we do shapes what we believe. It's really easy for some of us to say, well, I believe X, Y, and Z, or this is, you know, this is my position on X, Y, and Z, and then not living that out in our life. And so that should naturally cause us to say, do you really believe that? If you say you're pro-life, you believe that you're pro-life and you have all of these kind of pro-life arguments and all of that, but then you're not living that way. That says it kind of reveals kind of a profound disconnect between what you say you believe and what you're actually doing. And so one of the things I think is we think about the use of technology, specifically in the pro-life movement. One of the big kind of framing concepts um, needs to be human dignity, uh, needs to be human value. And to making sure that we're utilizing technologies to promote the value and dignity of every human life rather than utilizing technologies to dehumanize one another, whether that's on social media or even utilizing some of these tools to say, you know, this isn't really a human being or uh, to utilizing kind of certain tools that augment or um, kind of exceed in some sense human capacity. This is a big concept called transhumanism. Uh, trans here doesn't have anything to do with sexuality per se. It's about transcending our human limitations. So there's a difference in terms of bioethics between augmenting or excuse me, uh, kind of overcoming or restorative uses of technology, overcoming the effects of sin, um, whether it's my glasses that help me to see better because my eyes aren't very good or uh, a prosthetic like my father has a prosthetic leg that's a piece of technology because he had a medical issue that he had to have an amputation so that's one of the ways that technology can be used in a really good way to restore but one of the big challenges i think especially for the pro-life movement in terms of human dignity and bioethics and things is when we start to this idea that human beings are expendable um, that we can kind of upgrade at will uh, that hum what it means to be human isn't a sacred understanding anymore. It's more of that kind of utilitarian thing of what can you what what have you done for me lately? Uh, what are you contributing? What are you giving? And I think that's some of the ways that we can start to reframe and to rethink through the ways we use technology. Are we using them in ways to magnify uh, human dignity, value, and worth in every aspect of our life? Or are we using technologies to dehumanize our neighbor to treat people? Um, as less than they really are, which I find really interesting, especially today with a lot of the conversation around artificial intelligence, is that we are often seeking to humanize our machines. We give them names and faces and voices, and we talk about all of the advanced technologies and, you know, from chat GPT, which is the, uh, the AI system that can write papers and respond to emails and answer all of these big things. We start to say, well, is, you know, this is something, this is pretty profound. This is human-like abilities. 
we humanize our machines. At the same time, we dehumanize ourselves. We say, you know, you're just a clump of cells or you're just matter. There's no spiritual life. You know, when you die, it's over. You know, that's the idea is to say, no, there's actually something bigger going on here. What it means to be human, while technology may challenge that at times, it also helps to reveal uh, the depths of what does it mean to be human, which is what we've already said is the central concept, I think, today. Um, and one of the central questions of all social and ethical and cultural issues is what does it mean to be human? Um, and the best part about the when we talk about the nature of the Christian ethic, it gives us a very clear understanding. What does it mean to be human? You are created in the very image of God. You have infinite value, dignity, and worth because of how God made you and how God wants to redeem you. He wants to give you a new body to make you a new creation uh, so that you can have everlasting life with him. Well, you, uh, you got into some of this a bit earlier, but let's circle back and, and maybe spend, spend some more time here. So um, with respect to the sanctity of life, uh, what, what are some of the ethical questions that our modern advancements in technology have raised? And, and, and you know, with respect to those, uh, how would you advise, well, not, not just those in particular, but, but more broadly, how, how would you advise Christians to sort of work through some of these questions? Um, is, is there a particular framework that we should be working from that can help guide the way we think here? Yeah, I think for Christians, it's the framework of human dignity. Uh, human dignity, the concept of dignity is intricately tied to a, re- a religious understanding, specifically the influence of Christian ethics in society, uh, that the idea of the dignity and value of every human life is tied to who you are as an image bearer of God. This is why we talk a lot about the Imago Dei or the image of God. And many uh, ethicists throughout history, whether it's from uh, Herman Bavink or Carl F. H. Henry or a host of modern contemporary ethicists uh, talk about the nature of the Christian ethics kind of fixated on the dignity of every human being. That shapes and forms every single aspect of the Christian ethic tied around the image of God, how God made us and created us. That's one of the reasons that it's kind of early on I said that technology shapes how we understand God, how we understand ourselves, as well as the world around us. And that can have a, a profoundly beneficial aspect of understanding the depths and intricacies of what does it mean to be human. And so we can use technologies to magnify those things, or we can use technology to dehumanize one another, to deny the reality of dignity, value, and worth of every human being, and start treat people as that kind of expendable thing. So I think that's kind of the framing concept um, as human dignity. That's what I kind of frame my first book, The Age of AI. And in that book, um, not only talking about the nature of AI, how it's changing our perception of ourselves, how it's shaping the family, but even getting into some of the medical uses of artificial intelligence um, or the the profound effects on work and human dignity or questions of privacy and data. It sounds like all of these are incredibly disconnected, but in terms of the Christian ethic, they're tied together on this understanding of the doctrine of the image of God, this imago Dei, this understanding of human dignity, value, and worth. And so I think that should be the framing lens uh, through which we see all of these advances. Are we magnifying and um, upholding the value and dignity of every human life? Are we seeking to 
dehumanize and to mitigate that. And I think that's one of the best kind of frameworks is this concept of human dignity. And then that applies, obviously, through the pro-life movement of standing up for the uh, the pre-born, standing up and uh, protecting and caring for vulnerable mothers and fathers and promoting the family and human flourishing and the common good in that sense. But even over to other types of technologies about technologies like the abortion pill. I'm talking about how technology has given us the ability to take the life of the unborn or the pre-born very early on in early stages of development. Um, you know, that wasn't possible before the advent of the pill. And so you can see right there how technology alters how we see the world around us, giving us the ability to do things that once weren't possible. Um, if, a, if a woman was pregnant even 80, 90 years ago, Chances are she was going to carry that baby to term if, you know, if everything, if she stayed healthy and the baby stayed healthy by and large. Uh, But when we had the introduction of the abortion pill or even contraceptives, we saw the kind of abortion go through the roof, one, because it was possible. Not only did we have the surgical procedurals in place, but we also had a chemical abortion. We had the ability to take the life of a preborn by taking a pill and then have following up with a pill uh, soon after that uh, to dispense of the, quote, fetus or the, the clump of cells. And so technology gives us this ability to kind of alter the world around us to shape things that once weren't possible. And so I think when we take that framework of human dignity that we talked about and let that be the framing aspect of how we utilize technologies, how we develop technologies, and how we think through a host of these ethical and moral issues, I think that is the best way that Christians can approach a lot of these questions. And that where we start to see a more holistic pro-life movement um, that's not just about the pre-born, but it's not less than that. It's actually much more than that to see the value and dignity and worth of every human being. Why? Because they're created in the very image of God and nothing is going to change that. Not the most advanced machine or technology or even the ways that we can utilize these things to dehumanize our neighbors. As we sort of start to wind down here, um, you know, the advancements in technology aren't, aren't, they're not slowing down anytime soon, right? They, they're, they're sort of, um, it, it seems like they're just, they're just speeding up. So as, as we kind of look forward, um, what, with respect in particular to um, the issue of the sanctity of life and human dignity, what, what technologies might be coming down the pike that we need to be prepared for as Christians? Yeah, I think this is kind of a, it's a pretty wide open question, obviously, because there's so much technological development going on today. Um, I think in terms of biotechnologies or biomedical technologies, uh, we're starting to see a lot of use of um, even artificial intelligence or even computer augmentation or uh, upgrading of humans. We see companies like uh, Neuralink who are talking about implanting a, a chip into your, your skull that gives you the ability to you know connect with the Internet or have it, all this information and process. And there are a lot of ethical questions that we need to address about this idea of upgrading humanity. Um, of, uh, of increasing our output or increasing our abilities um, as if that's what dictates our value, dignity, and worth. That's a very, as we talked about earlier, utilitarian mindset. So I think we need to be wary of some of the ways that um, we're utilizing technology to augment, to upgrade ourselves in terms of that kind of transhumanist that we talked about earlier. I think that's one area. I think another area that we need to be especially aware of is the availability, kind of the wide 
widespread availability, especially even in recent weeks with the uh, the Food and Drug Administration's rule change um, over the abortion pill and distributing that and now um, local retail pharmacy chains, nationwide chains across our nation is the widespread availability of something like that, um, or even mail order pills in the last few years. That's a profound way that a piece of technology in terms of a medicine, um, a pill, is actually not seeking to uphold human dignity and value, not seeking to care for uh, our people and our neighbors and loved ones, um, but actually seeking to take their life. Um, that's an, one of the areas I think we need to be aware of and kind of the, the widespread proliferation of pills in our society and how that's shaping and altering there as well. And I think some others that we need to be aware of um, and kind of on a different spectrum in terms of even social media, um, social media is not going anywhere. It's not something that you can completely, some may be able to completely avoid. Most of us can't, and we can utilize these tools for good. But the way that technology shapes the way we see each other um, as an us versus them, I write a lot about this kind of polarization and the tribalization of our day um, and not having those kind of in, in-person and fleshed relationships of recognizing who people are, uh, that they're people, while we may disagree with them on a couple issues, we may actually have a lot more in common than we think. But social media kind of pulls us into these bubbles, into these isolation, these kind of vacuums where we don't see things very clearly. We don't see people as created in the very image of God. So there's a host of different issues at stake here. I think some of the most pressing, though, are those biomedical technologies that are coming, especially in the realm of medicine and biotech and transhumanist kind of thought. I think some of those are the very important technologies that we need to be aware of while we focus on issues like social media. And I think that's helpful. Uh, there's so much more going on there. And that's one of the reasons uh, kind of the heartbeat and kind of a passion for me is to uh, see a retrieval and a resurgence and Christians stepping into questions of bioethics. It's much more than abortion. It's never less than that. But there's so much more going on in terms of how we magnify um, or uphold the value and dignity of every human life and how the Christian ethic speaks deeply to all of these kind of pressing questions of aging and death and transhumanists and upgrading our bodies and just a host of issues that we need to think through from the grid of Christian ethics. Well, there, there may be folks listening to this conversation who, you know, they feel ill-equipped to have conversations or, or even think rightly about what's what's right, what's wrong, what's permissible or, or what's not, given all the things technology now allows us to do with respect to life. And I'm thinking, you know, specifically of things like surrogacy or IVF, for instance, or any number of similar technologies like you've mentioned today. Um, so, so what resources would you recommend for folks who want to get a better grasp of this issue and and Feel free here as well to, to give a plug for your books and tell listeners where they can find them. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, in terms of technology proper, I think when we're talking about navigating some of the big technological challenges of our day, um, we need to have a solid grasp of what technology is and how it's forming and shaping. I do that in the Following Jesus in a Digital Age book. I also do that in the book that you had mentioned at the opening, uh, The Digital Public Square, about Christian ethics in a technological society. Both of these books are going to be a little bit more tied to like social media and internet culture. But in them, I present kind of a baseline understanding a Christian vision of technology or to put a fancy term, kind of an academic term, a Christian philosophy of technology. Don't let that scare you off, though. 
philosophy is not some like weird discipline that you know you just talk about a whole bunch of kind of random things it's actually talking about a way of life the way that we understand the world around us and the path and pursuit of wisdom uh, which is very very applicable to all of our lives in every single aspect and so both of those books i kind of cast a christian vision of technology and how we should think about it and how it's shaping and forming us I'm um, getting into some of the the kind of baseline, even bioethical questions. Uh, one of the things that I have the privilege of co-editing is a new series called Essentials in Christian Ethics. Uh, the first volume will be out later this year, and then in the next uh, couple of years, we'll have um, up to nine uh, volumes that are going to be debuting. One of those is on bioethics. Uh, but there's a lot of kind of bi- uh, primers on bioethics uh, that I think would be really helpful. One is called Bioethics. It's by Gilbert Mylander. Um, I think that's a really, really helpful kind of introduction to some of those. Most introductions to ethics, uh, specifically Christian ethics, are going to navigate some of those type of questions. A very helpful volume I recently reviewed at the Gospel Coalition is called Ethics is Worship. Um, It's by Evan Lino and Mark Lederbach. It's a new book. It's a pretty big-sized book, but they have whole chapters kind of dedicated to issues of IVF and IUI, um, to surrogacy and... um, even questions of like test tube babies and how do we navigate some of those type of questions that seem futuristic and far off, but those are the questions that we're dealing with right now in the field of bioethics. So I would say Gilbert Mylander's kind of bioethics primer for Christians, I think would be really helpful. I think a larger kind of framework book, something like Ethics is Worship by Leno and Lederbach could be really helpful. And then specifically with some of the technology stuff, um, my volume, The Digital Public Square, as well as my first book, gets into some of those kind of AI and transhumanist questions. And that one's called The Age of AI, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. That one was published with Zondervan. Let me say a couple of things real quick. Uh, first, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you on. And secondly, uh, thank you for the work that you're doing on on this topic. You know, it'll it'll only get uh, more complicated, more critical for Christians to think clearly and, and Christianly about technology and all the questions it will inevitably raise. And you are an expert voice that, that we can trust to help with that task. So thank you for the work you do. It's vitally important to keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Jordan. I really appreciate you having me today. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, As always, let me encourage you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and leave us a review if you feel so inclined. We'd appreciate that. Um, And and likewise, if you're interested in helping to support the Love Times 2 project financially, you can visit our website at lovetimes2.org slash give. That's L-O-V-E-X and the number 2.org slash give. And from there, you can commit to giving whatever amount works best. Uh, Once again, thanks for tuning in. And remember, change the culture and the politics will follow.